Hi there, and welcome to episode number 23 of the Eyes Free Sports podcast. Once again, my name is Greg Lindbergh. Here on episode 23, we are chatting with a young man who is very talented in a number of adaptive sports, specifically goalball, powerlifting, believe it or not, and swimming as well. And uh, this episode is taking us out to the west coast of the U.S., to the Seattle area. So let's dive into episode 23. All right, so my guest on this episode of the podcast uh, is Damien Para. Damien, welcome to the Eyes Free Sports podcast. Yeah, thanks for inviting me been a real pleasure to be on a podcast i've always dreamed of being on a podcast so thanks for the uh opportunity i've seen some of your other interviews with uh, some other goalball athletes and when i just saw that one podcast you post on facebook like i had to come and ask him see how can i be in this <laughs> <laughs> very cool i'm glad i can make your day and you know it's it's a pleasure of mine to have you on, so I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. For sure. So let's start off, uh, Damien. I believe you had told me that you're originally from New York, correct? Yes. Originally, I'm from New York. I lived there ever since uh, until I turned four. I left New York, and I moved to Seattle. And I've been here in Seattle for my whole life, basically. Wow, so that's quite a move from one uh, one side of the country to the other. What uh, what brought you out there? Was it a job for your parents? Or at the time when I was born, nobody knew that you know I was going to lose my vision, and so I was supposed to stay there with my family because my family's big. Uh, I have family who live all over, practically almost in every state. But wow. this New York really didn't have the services that I really need after I lost my vision. And it was finally when my mom said, okay, well, we need to bring Damien to Seattle because here they have a bunch of services for the blind. And they thought, okay, well, we're going to have to move if we want him to see him successful. And... A couple, here I am, ever since those services have helped me, I've been very successful at everything. Um, I've had a lot of uh, opportunities, and yeah. Very cool. Wow, that definitely shows, you know, how much your parents cared to, to sacrifice and make, you know, such a big move, and that's that's great. That's awesome. And uh, I know you had told me that uh, it was around, what, the age of two or three when you actually lost uh, quite a bit of vision, correct? Yes. Um, for, the, for, the, uh, for the audience out there, for the, again, like for those of you that don't know me, I was first born just fine, meaning I could see 2020. Uh, but when I was two and a half years old, uh, I lost my vision. We were at a friend's house in New York and it was actually at a birthday party and basically I had fallen to the floor and something all just something just happened to me and my parents were concerned because I wasn't responding. I had all these other side problems such as like I had a lot of dizziness, I was in pain, I was 
I, I wasn't eating. I wasn't making any sounds for four mm. days in a row. Wow. Because they had taken me to the doctors, and the doctors couldn't find anything why in the world, you know, why was I not doing all these typical stuff that a baby would do? So they took me to the hospital the fifth day, and it turns out they did the typical procedures. Uh, a cat, They did a CAT scan, MRI scan. And after those procedures were done, it turns out that they looked at the the scans that they that they've done, and uh, it turns out that I had a mysterious liquid that basically caused all my vision to go away, and that caused serious injuries. It was a lot of work to be done and res- and, res- and resolved because they, my parents thought I wasn't going to make it, mm. but luckily, I my my parents just kept praying and. Here I am today, still, you know, doing the things that I love to do, you know, like, like play sports and, you know, being a successful guy, you know? Oh, yeah, no doubt about that. That's great. And let's uh, talk a little more about your childhood. So thinking back, I mean, do you really remember the vision loss and just change, you know, that change in your vision and and what's kind of your recollection of all that and, and kind of how that impacted you at the time? Well, the when after because I didn't touch on this when um, I was at the hospital, they said the doctors told me in the hospital that Damien, you know, Damien needs to go into surgery. Uh, it turns out that the first surgery that they did to me was not okay. Like it didn't work, but the second one did work. And what they did was they put a VP shunt. And you can look this up if you want to for the audience out there. Uh, and again, it's called a VP shunt. It's what makes you, uh, what makes a liquid drain. And it, go, it prevents the liquid from going up into your brain. Because right. it, it, can, it can do some serious problems and, and it's not good for the, long, for the long run. So it was quite the impact because... I went to school at Fort Stevens Elementary School. It was a, it was, a, it was an elementary school that I went to in Seattle, and I the only friends that I made were the teachers because they cared, and the students weren't really weren't really nice to me. They told me, "Oh, you can't play this because you're blind," and I I felt so. I felt so heartbroken by that because I really wanted to do certain things, but they limited me from doing that. And the teachers were, were there to support me. And I want to give a big shout out to them because they were the ones who stood by me if I had a problem. And also they were there if I needed help with anything. And because it wasn't a school, I'm not going to say it wasn't a school for me, but there was a thing, there were things that I didn't like. And I, I'm glad that I went to the uh, Washington State School for the Blind in Vancouver, Washington. Got you. So then it sounds like you were mainstreamed at that, that elementary school then through fifth grade. And then was it after right after that that you went to the, uh, the Washington State School for the Blind? Yes, I was there from, I was in Fort Stevens all the way up to 10 years old. And then when I was 11 years old, 
I had just joined the Washington State School for the Blind, and fun fact, when I was still in Fort Stevens Elementary School, I would always go to the track meet. They would do these track meets every year and in the spring, and mm. every year me and my TBI would go there, and I would always participate in, in the running events and some of the field events. And I had so much fun there that after the meet was over, I was lucky enough to get a tour of the school. And I'm like, I should come here. <laughs> because, you know, I realized that I would fit right in with all of the crowd. And like I said, with the other school, I didn't really make any friends except for the teachers because they, the kids there were really horrible to me. And versus the... The students that I went to school with at the blind school in Vancouver, Washington, actually, a lot of these students that I was that I went to school with, basically, had similar issues to what I have. Right. Um, so we were, I was able to fit in with, with the crowd. I was glad. So yeah. Nice. So it really, it sounds like it really made an impact early on. As soon as you got to that school for the blind. You just, it was such a, a great change. It sounds like such a positive change for you in your life and your outlook, would you say? Yeah, yeah, I would say that. I mean, I was supposed to finish there um, this year, but due to uh, my my grades at the blind school, uh, although I still try my best, my grades weren't that good, so my teachers decided, well, we really enjoyed Damien here. We think he's a good, you know, goalball athlete. We think he's a good uh, swimming. We think he's a good swimmer and also a good, you know, he's just an encouraging student. I think, you know, he needs to go to do do another school and try it out. Because, you know, when you, as you get older, you can't just stay in just one school. You got to try other things and move forward with your life. Um, So... Yeah, I'm. I've been. I've been grateful that I. I was put in that school because, in my other school, I didn't get the materials that I needed, like Braille. They didn't have any assistive technology. Uh, they didn't have, you know, a big gym. They didn't have a swimming pool. They didn't have goalball. None of that. But the only thing that I did appreciate was that the since the teachers were so nice to me every time when. I had an assignment to do for homework. They would always be, all right, Damien, I think what we're going to do since we don't have, you know, Braille for you, I think we're going to, we're going to extend your assignment a bit, like a week, like in a week or two, because, you know, you need some extra help and that's understandable. So we're here to support you, they said. So I was glad that they were able to do that. So, yeah. Very cool. So they were definitely prepared and and ready to offer pretty much everything that you needed to help you succeed. Yes. Nice. And then in terms of uh, goalball and other sports you played, was it at the Washington State School for the Blind that you really got interested and introduced to those those types of activities? Yeah. uh, So when I first joined... When I started, when I first started going to the Washington State School for the Blind in my sixth grade year, I was only 11 at that time. And my friend, Fiorian, who is 
uh, a super senior as well uh, as I am, she was the one who told me, "Hey, Damien, you should, um, you know, you should try goalball." And I was like, "I'll get, it. I'll think about it." <laughs> and in my second year, which was in my seventh grade year, I was twelve years old. I had two coaches at the Washington State School for Blind for goalball, and their names were uh, Paul Baldwin and Lisa Hodge. Uh, they were both teachers at the uh, Washington State School for Blind. Unfortunately, Lisa uh, left our school a couple years ago, uh, sometime in my high school year. But um, it took me a while to learn the block. It took me a while to to learn the, dif- the different techniques, like how to throw, uh, how to block, and the shuffle drills and stuff like that. But ever since I kept on, you know, striving in the in the sport, I was like, I'm not going to quit because my first year when I played it in my seventh grade year, there were times where I was like, oh, this is tiring. Oh, this is tiring. Like, I would always complain hmm. um, while we were practicing, and, but that, that told me that I should keep on trying because I wasn't really trying, but, and so I told myself, I got this. Take a deep breath, and you'll do good. And my second year playing, which was my eighth grade year, I did my box well, shows. Sorry, my second, year, my first year, I played it, which was seventh grade. I did my first tournament, which was uh, it was called the Junior Cascade Classic. They would always they would do it every year at the end of September. And it would be at our school in our big gym. Hmm. And uh, unfortunately, my first tournament went well, but there was something that uh, happened to me that I wasn't able to participate in the second tournament. And that was because after the last game in the first tournament that I did in my second year at the school, uh, I basically was very tired and I was sitting on the bleachers and when, when the last game was over I was about to get up to go to the floor to walk back to my dorm to sleep yep. and as I'm, as I'm standing up I stand on the second row and I have both of my arms stretched out to my side and I, I had my eyes shut because I was very tired and I just Automatically, I just crashed down and broke my chin. Oh, jeez! I've had I had had three stitches in my chin, and I wasn't able to play in the second tournament, which was in Tacoma. Now that tournament in Tacoma was called the South Sound Throwdown. They have it every year. I believe it's the first or second week of October. I'm not pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's uh, either those two weeks but um so yeah but after my chin was healed i was able to play again in tournaments and every tournament um and then i learned a lot from those tournaments one thing that i learned from those tournaments is that we are playing against you know people who play very good they practice a lot and uh they have the skill 
And not only that, but they have muscle because, you know, when you have big guys, they do, they do weightlifting, which is something that I also do. Yep. I'll get to that in a minute. But, um, but yeah, I, after doing those tournaments, I think I did those tournaments for three years, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, four years, actually. Uh, and then in my junior year and my senior year, I finally made it to going to goalball national tournaments. And I, my first national tournament that I went to was in St. Augustine, Florida. We played at the, um, Wash, uh, not the Washington, but it was at the School for the Blind and Deaf in St. Augustine, Florida. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was a cool experience. And again, these, these were tough guys that we played. We played against North, South Carolina, uh, we played against uh, California, we played some other teams, and that, that, was, that was so much fun that I wish we could have stayed more longer because I ever doing goalball for so many years, I just can't, I can't get enough of it. Like, I don't get tired of it anymore because <laughs> I know my drills, I know what I'm doing, and I also, this last year in 2019, I went to Austin, Texas. And also, that was also a good tournament. Um, teams that I played against were Florida, Utah, uh, and Texas. Um, hmm. And again, those were, those were some pretty good teams as well. So, yeah. Very cool. And just kind of thinking back on all those tournaments... Um, whether in, you know, the state of Washington or the two, you know, the national ones that you've played in, are there any, you know, moments or any times in those, those tournaments, those competitions that really stand out that, you know, where you, uh, you know, scored for your team or made a really great play, something you were really proud of? There were, there's a lot of moments. That's something that I've taken away from each tournament that I go to. What if it's the if what if it's the Tacoma one or the Junior Cascade one? I I really have a lot of I have a lot of moments, but if I had to pick one, it had to be when we were playing against uh, Texas. Um, those guys were really going hard, and you know my friend John Zeman who also goes to the Washington State School for the Blind, he, he would always remind me, like, Sal, like, Timmy, get down, get down. Like, like he wants me to be, be prepared. So I was always... There were times where I felt like laughing out loud because I have <laughs> the intensity of laughing high and I try not to when I'm on the court. Right. Um, but really, though, it's really like when you are playing and you're playing against another team, it's like, you, you get that interaction across the court because, like, I remember in Florida when we were in St. Augustine, we played against California, and uh, one of the guys from California threw the ball to my friend John, and one of the guys was like, ooh, we're going to get them good, and I'm like, I started laughing. So <laughs> I, I think that's just one of the moments, you know, like, like I said, when you, when you throw the ball, like that, like super hard. It's like, dude, like you're making us work out. Like over here, like is this our actually, like is this our workout for the day? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so yeah. I mean, really though, it's about it's all about having fun, and 
make the best of it. That's all I can say because that's all about sports, you know? For sure. Yep. And just diving in a little deeper into goalball, what would you say the keys are, you know, to being successful, um, whether it's on, you know, on offense or on defense, as far as scoring or stopping that ball? What, uh, you know, what would your advice be to to someone, you know, as far as how to succeed at the sport? My only strategies that I've done on the court uh, is to definitely be prepared. Uh, listen, don't. Like, you can have fun, but have, like, minimize it. Because I do this a lot on the court, is whenever I'm playing, I'm always ready. And part of that is because my of my excitement level. And sometimes I just got to tell myself, you know, I know you're excited, but you have to minimize it. Okay? We need to focus. Like, focus is mainly the key part, is to focus. Because if you're not focusing into the game, then... Obviously, the team is going to be, you know, who knows, 10 or 12 points, depending how the each tournament goes. Because you have teams out there who are really good, and if you're not paying attention, then that's on you. My main strategy is to focus, listen, be prepared, and uh, have a good form. Don't, don't uh, slack. Gotcha. That's great advice. And I'm curious, do you have any kind of pre-game or, you know, pre-tournament rituals? Anything that you do to, I know you mentioned maybe like taking deep breaths and anything to kind of calm yourself down and get yourself to focus better? There's times where I'll sit down, like, like, because I know I'm someone who loves to move. I'm not a person who wants to be bored all the time. I want to keep moving. Yep. So something, something that I encourage for people who are either joining tournaments or joining the team, joining a team, really is when you're getting ready for a tournament. Always, number well, it doesn't matter if you're at a tournament, but if you're at a tournament or practicing, always take a deep breath and tell yourself that you know you can have fun, but you got to minimize it and. Because, you know, when you practice and when you when you play in tournaments, tournaments can be tiring. Because you're going to be in the gym, who knows, depending how things go in tournaments. Because tournaments aren't that easy when it comes to playing. Because you have good teams, first of all. And who knows, a team could potentially go into overtime. And it's okay to be nervous, but don't keep it. From, don't just don't let it distract you. You gotta try to throw it to a side. Pretend like it's a like a basketball or uh, uh, a mat, and just throw it to the side and focus what's in front of you, and just focus. I mean, that's that's my that's my advice for anyone who's uh, joining the sport. Gotcha. Very nice. I know you did uh, briefly touch on, you know, weightlifting, and I know you do have quite a bit of experience with, uh, with you know, weightlifting, weight training. If you could just talk about how you got into that and, you know, maybe how that's benefited you just in general as an athlete. Weightlifting was also a thing that one of my, you know, my friend Syrian only told me about goalball, but another student who also went to WSSB, by the way, that stands for Washington State School for the Blind. Um, 
my friend Tony Warm, uh, he told me, hey, Damien, you should join weightlifting. And he also told me that in my first year. And again, I, I said to, I said the same thing to him when Diorian told me about gold ball. Like, okay, I'll think about it as well. Yep. So it wasn't until, again, my seventh grade year, I also joined powerlifting. And ever since I've done powerlifting for seven years, uh, it's been an honor to get more strength and because in my first two years that I played goalball, uh, I didn't have as much strength, and I would always throw the ball really soft, hmm. like meaning not soft, like I would throw the ball slow to where it only reached like half a court. And that was when I said, "Okay, well, I gotta, I gotta, you know, lift some more weight." So it wasn't that year that I also joined powerlifting. That as I kept doing practice, because we would also practice three days a week, uh, from three thirty to five o'clock. Wow! And yeah, um, we would always practice three days a week with the coaches. We had this, we had a we had well, we had two we had a goal ball co- we had two goal ball coaches and two powerlifting coaches, and a lot of those. Those two powerlifting coaches were named uh, Steve Laurie and as well as um, Judy Cook. Um, she was a O1M instructor, and Steve Laurie was the head coach of powerlifting. He also he also teaches uh, history, and he's a part-time O1M instructor until they find someone else to take over uh, Judy's role of O1M. Uh, so he's been the head coach and he taught me some good forms and those good forms have gotten really good. Uh, I've gotten nine trophies and three medals because I did a pilot. I would always do a powerlifting meet in Portland. They would call it the, we call it the Wobdell meet. It, it would always happen in March in the springtime. And you would always go there with the with the team, and I think it was my ninth or tenth grade year. I went to Vegas for the nationals for weightlifting nationals. Wow! And yeah, um, and that's where I got my medals were from national Vegas. So I, ever since I've done powerlifting for seven years, I've gotten a lot of improvement. The coaches were able to see that in me, and I've have a lot of max numbers because I also was introduced to squats recently in my 10th grade year because I also took a weightlifting class in Vancouver, Washington. By the way, this weightlifting class that I took, uh, I had to go to Hudson's Bay High School and that was where I was introduced to squats. And now that I've done squats for only a year now, no, I'm sorry, I lied, uh, now that I've done squats, again, it's, it's, I've gotten very uh, good numbers. Uh, the last number I remember I squatted 200 hmm. pounds. Um, I felt like I was ready to bump up a notch and go up to 235, but I had to work myself way up there. Uh, because, again, if you rush things, uh, it just doesn't look good. So I would suggest... 
if you ever do weightlifting, people, please take your time because you don't want to have any other accidents. Yeah, for sure. If you go too, you know, too hard on it, or obviously if, you know, you don't start out with the the lighter weights, I'm sure it's, you know, it takes time like anything to kind of work up to that point. Yeah. And as far as some of the, the meets you mentioned, what kind of personal records or, you know, is there anything you want to mention as far as specific uh, numbers or weights that you've been able to lift in those events? Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, so the personal record that I am so proud of myself for doing this because on bench press, before I used to bench 115, but I went from 115 all the way up to um, 130. And uh, this last year, I think it was in, I'm trying to remember if it was in February or last year. I think it was last year of February of 2019. Uh, we went to a meet that was located in Springfield, Oregon. And my personal record on bench press for that meet was like 170. And I'm like, how in the world did I even make it up there because <laughs> I went from 115 to 130 and I'm like I did not even work myself to like 140 like how like how did that happen yeah and so and so I was I, I had a smile on my face and the coach was like great job Damien like you know he was just shocked because I said he asked me what do you want to do for your third attempt and I said 170 and he was a little bit nervous that I wasn't gonna make it, but it turns out that I had faith in myself, and I was like, "Take a deep breath. You will do this. I know you got this." So when I when I pushed the bar up, I'm like, "Wow, I did that without no help <laughs> or nothing," you know? So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And as far as powerlifting, I'm curious: are there any special adaptations? I mean, I would imagine it's pretty tactile you know, as a visually impaired competitor? I don't recall having any adaptations because, although we did get, when every, right, every time when we were done, like, lifting, when we, were, when we were practicing, we would always give, we would always get feedback from uh, the coaches from powerlifting, and, and the advice that they gave me were pretty useful. I don't remember... Oh, actually, I do remember. And one of the advice that uh, he gave me was, uh, you know, always, whenever you're lifting, make sure you breathe because you definitely want to have that kind of weight in your body when you're pushing the bar up. Because when you bring the bar up, it's, it's, it's really easy to pull it down. But when right. You, when, you, when, you bring, when you're bringing it back up, like, you need to, like, like take a beat, like take a big giant breath, and then I would always. And that's another thing. Like whenever I would bring it back up, I would always yell because the bar is really heavy. Also, I just <laughs> I just make it yeah. heavy in my lift. But I just want I just wanted people to know that it, it wasn't hard. I mean, one seventy felt like I don't know a hundred pounds, but no, it was actually very hard. But I still made it through, and. Again, it was just it was such a such a event that I felt so accomplished that I couldn't stop, you know, doing the sport 
Now, originally, I wasn't going to do powerlifting for a seventh year because uh, my schedule was just too packed at the time. But then I was recently asked to step to come back to the team again because one of my good friends uh, named Husai, he had a knee injury and he felt bad for himself because he couldn't do lifting and he enjoyed it so much that you could really tell in his voice that there were times that he was sad and I was like like Kusai don't be sad you're at least you're still doing something because we would always bring him to every meet and even though he couldn't lift he helped the coaches write down the you know the opening rec the openers for the weight openers the second attempt weights and also the third attempts and if there was a fourth he would always be there to you know write those numbers down and it was just an amazing time to be back although that wasn't my attention but I realized okay my friend is you know injured I know he wants to live but he can't so I'm going to take his place and you know lift his spirits up because that's nothing. Like when you have an injury, you gotta be there to support your teammates. It's not like, oh, I'm not gonna support it, but and but you you still gotta you know be nice and always support your teammates because they're the ones who are relying on you to you know to be there for them and to encourage them and so stuff stuff like that. And everybody who did powerlifting just enjoyed that for me. Right. Very cool. Yeah. And I was also curious, I know you mentioned the, the meets you've competed in as far as powerlifting, and were those just against visually impaired competitors, or also sighted competitors, or how did that all work? Um, for, well, for us, really, um, in the school, because we were a blind school, I mean, there were a couple, maybe, I'm, I don't really remember if there were sighted students, I mean, the thing was just all blind, but when every every time when we go to the powerlifting meet, uh, there were all, there were not just, there not, there was not just us who were there. There were also other people. I remember seeing a police officer there who was lifting. Hmm. And so I was like, huh? And I was like, cause I thought, I never knew that powerlifting was a, just a sport for blind and visually impaired people. But I written, I went to every meet. I was like, so it's not just blind people. There's also side of people doing this sport too, so it's like yeah. wow, that that amazed me. Right, that's cool. Yeah, and then I know you also mentioned uh, swimming that you definitely enjoy swimming. And have you actually been in any kind of swim meets and and swam competitively? Yes, um, there's actually a cool story to that. When I and this all has to go back to when I first started the blind school when I was 11 years old. I was in the locker room and. I had just gotten my swimsuit on. And after my swimsuit was on, I go out to the deck where the pool is. Uh, and I was kind of scared, to be honest, to enter the pool because I thought the pool had, you know, uh, dangerous animals like sharks, you know, you name it. And right. all of a sudden when my uh, fitness teacher, Jen Butcher, she encouraged me, she, she just told me like, Damien, don't worry. I'm gonna. How about this? I'll go in first. 
and you'll see that there's no animals. So I, I listened to her, and I saw her going to the pool, and she's like, you see, there's no animals. It's just, it's just <laughs> water, and it's a big pool with, with just water. And so I trusted her, so I just go in there, and it took me a, a couple months to learn how to swim without a belt. Because my first year, I... Oh, well, actually, my first two years, I swam with a belt, and that limited me from doing the swimming competitions that you mentioned. But it was not until my eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, and up till this year, uh, I was able to finally, you know, join the swimming competition uh, that they had every January. Um, I will tell you that I think my, my favorite year, my favorite swimming competition that I probably enjoyed was the one probably in my uh, junior year because I, after the swim meet, I got I was chosen as one of the outstanding male in the swimming. I was the outstanding male swimmer for the male category, and I was just like, Am I in my? Am I in the Paralympics or what? Because I just got <laughs> a medal, you know. And yeah. I looked at my ribbons. And I'm like, whoa! I got all first place. That's so cool. I never got the first place because my first previous swimming competitions, I've gotten like what first couple seconds, couple thirds, maybe even who knows one first place. Um, and surprisingly, I, I still have those ribbons from those years because I was like, wouldn't it be cool to keep something that you really enjoyed? And I actually saw the medal um, uh, that, I, that I was given from the, after the swimming competition was over. And I was told, now that I don't go to uh, WSSB anymore, if there is even... Uh, swimming, if we're allowed to, uh, hope, I don't know when, but if things get better, I'm hoping I can go back to the school and hopefully participate in the competition that they do every year because it's not only for the kids at WSSB, but anyone, uh, anyone uh, can participate. I've encountered uh, some students that don't even go to our school anymore, that they used to, they go, they went to uh, a school in, it was Evergreen High School in Vancouver, Washington. And uh, I was lucky, I was like, because I, I questioned, like, like, is this for only us or can other people join? So I realized, like, oh no, this is for everyone. And not only for the students, but uh, the staff at our school could would always participate in the swim meet. So um, it was just an enjoyable time. Uh, I really hope when things do go back to normal, I'm hoping I can, you know, at least go back and do my last swim meet. Um, and on the note of swimming, I did find a swimming team in Tacoma um, hmm. because... I've always wanted to be in the Paralympics, and fun fact, I actually watched the 
2016 Paralympics when they had them in uh, Rio. Yeah. Uh, and after watching, you know, people, you know, either playing goalball or swimming, I'm like, I never, I never knew that these activities were even in the Paralympics. And at first, I wanted to be a a, a Paralympian for goalball, but I realized I love swimming, so why not I do, you know, you know, be on a swim team, and hopefully, if I'm if I'm lucky. Who knows? I might make it on TV, you know? Exactly, yeah. So that is a goal of yours then, to potentially, you know, compete in the Paralympics at some point for swimming. Yeah, and it's actually funny because uh, I'm actually friends with a couple Paralympians from the USA uh, goalball group on Facebook. And so that's what really inspired me was seeing just, just, I'm and I and I, I didn't touch on this, but being in the goalball group on Facebook has definitely opened up a lot of things for me because I just wouldn't been I don't know, I just I just love being in that group. There's just something about that group that I adore. I mean, I know a lot of people who are in that group. Some of them I don't even know, but I hope to meet them in the future when, you know, things do go back to normal. Uh and so yeah, I mean, I've met a lot of great people who play goalball, and something I didn't touch on earlier, but this last year, this this past, this last month, not in July, but in February of this year, I was able to participate in the uh, Adult Cascade uh, Goalball Tournament. And it was all thanks to my friend, Chloe, who, she was the first one to tell me about it. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. What's, like, is this like a goalball game or what? And so, yeah, she said, yeah, it is a goalball game. But except for you're playing with adults. You're not playing against any other students. You're playing an adult. You're playing against adults. And so that experience was a cool, was another cool experience. I was supposed to have a pool team. Uh, for this tournament that happened in February of this year, but unfortunately those team members couldn't make it because of family reasons. Hmm. And um, I was so lucky enough to play because Jen Armbruster was nice enough to put me with the guys from uh, British Columbia. And they taught me a lot. And I even got to meet you know, people from my hometown, New York. And again, this, this tournament was my favorite. I, I plan to do it again if when things go back to normal, hopefully. Yeah, I know. I've definitely heard Jen's name a lot. And she's, you know, a highly decorated uh, Paralympian in goalball. And so that's, that's awesome. You're, you know, we're able to get that experience playing with the adults. And I'm sure you learned so much from that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it was just an amazing time. I had to meet new people from states that I haven't even visited from. Like, I saw, I met people from Georgia, some from, some from BC, and I think the BC people really inspired me. And they were such a team that I was like, "Can I play on your team next time?" And they're like, "We'll see." <laughs> <laughs> nice, very cool. 
Well, hey, you know, I, I just wanted to say congratulations on all of your athletic achievements and accomplishments. And you're definitely, you know, quite the versatile athlete. And, and, and in terms of sports, uh, I definitely wish you a lot of luck, you know, just in, in your goals and, and what you hope to achieve, you know, on top of everything else you've already done. So I did want to uh, wrap up here. I know you had mentioned to me about, uh, I think it's called Youth Employment Solutions, an organization yes. you've been involved with as far as, you know, career guidance and, and whatnot. So talk to me about how you got involved in that organization and what they actually have done uh, to help you. Well, okay, so the program that I did, uh, well, the programs that I did were called Yes One, Yes Two, also known as Youth Employment and Solutions. Uh, they're basically a program that basically get you prepared for the future. Whether that's getting a job or if you're even thinking about getting a job, basically it's just about being ready for the workforce. This program that I've done, well, yes, uh, the first program that I attended was Yes One. Normally, Yes One is usually about to two years. But I felt like I had accomplished a lot for my first year of doing S1. And so I was like, I'm ready to move on. I don't feel like it's necessary to do a second year of S1. So it was later in my, when I turned 16, I was like, I'm going to try something even challenging. I'm going to go do S2. And Yes 2 is similar to Yes 1, but a whole lot different because with Yes 2, uh, you can get a job during, some, during the program and you get paid uh, $15 an hour. Hmm. And this, this program was sponsored, both of these programs I'm talking about were sponsored by uh, DSB, also known as Department Services for the Blind. Um, they, they, they are the ones who sponsored the programs and they taught me a lot, uh, on work readiness, uh, how to be professional and jobs, jobs and, and being responsible. And not also they taught you that, but yes, she was also, yes, she also taught you like how to be living like what's it like living on your own like you know doing chores like you know cleaning the toilet cleaning the house uh doing laundry um, you know independent living type you know, skills yeah basically yeah and those those things have impacted me in a way because i I've learned, I just learned a lot from Yes 2 that I wish I could have done it a third year, but I said no because I've done this, I've done this for two years and I felt like two years is enough. I'm glad that I did those, that, those programs. They really helped me in the long run and considering the job that I want to do in the future is, has helped me already. So, yeah. Very nice. And in terms of, you know, career goals and everything, what do you hope to, to go into? What do you hope to pursue? I've been telling a lot of my friends, and my friends, you guys can judge if you want. I don't mind because I know I'm easygoing. I don't, I don't get offended easily. <laughs> but um, 
I originally I was gonna be an actor because I I loved I I love watching movies I love you know I love doing imitations from different characters I can do up to Star Wars characters uh, I've also done some like other non Star Wars stuff <laughs> but uh, it's helped me in the long run but uh, I realize. Acting is my favorite, but I could probably do that for a hobby because I feel like, in my opinion, people can think differently. But acting, for me, it's it's a hobby. It's not an actual job. But in terms of what I want to pursue, though, I do say, I said this before, I think I said this to you, too, but um, since... I realized that acting can be a thing for a hobby. I realized I love moving. I don't like staying bored all the time. I like moving. I, I love to be outdoors. And I love helping out my community, even though I don't really do that, because I don't, I just move, I just moved. I barely get out and I'm lazy. <laughs> um, but I do love to help out people. I do feel sympathy for others. So my career that I want to pursue is a firefighter because I feel like I can be of a need for those people in need. And I feel like I can make an impact by, you know, helping other communities and, you know, just just saving people's lives because we really, the most important thing is us. We have to be on earth, you know, we can't just stay there and think, oh, everything can be okay, but... You got to think about the possibilities, you know? So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's a very noble profession and first responders in general like that. And, you know, I just can't applaud enough for everything they do. So I definitely wish you luck, you know, with that goal and that pursuit. Yeah. And like, and like, uh, now so that, but like, with, with what's going on around the world right now, it's like, I've seen you know, videos. I also, one thing that people should know is that I love to watch news. And people always ask me, is there ever a time where you cry while you're watching news? Like, that's hard for me because the, I, I don't really cry because I know there are ways to prevent that from happening. And the profession that I chose really means a lot because I can definitely make an impression of, oh, he really cares about his community. And, you know, first responders are really important, especially in our nation. And you really got to think it's going to, I know it's going to make an impact on others and as well as your life, you know? So you got to really look at, okay, you know, what is a hobby? What is a profession? So, like, you know, when I said, originally I wanted to be an actor. But I realized, in my, I just feel like that's not really a job. Because it's just a hobby, you know? You gotta look at the, you gotta look at the words, hobby or profession. And I chose to be profession, because I know I can make a difference, and what I chose will impact other lives and stuff like that. So, my, my advice to other people is, really think what you're wanting to pursue because there are so many hobbies 
that you can do, but you got to look at what is my profession? What is it I'm good at? What is it that I can make a difference on? So really think about what, really think about carefully what you want to do. Cause it's not like, Oh, I want to be this, you know? And then all of a sudden yep. like, you know what? I'm just going to really reflect on why I like this. And should I continue this as a hobby or a profession? So firefighter really is my profession because I know I can make a difference. And with my kind of personality, I know that people would like to see me, you know, change communities and definitely show leadership because I also have that skill. I have good leadership skills. I also advocate for others. I try to encourage uh, uh, people try to keep themselves, but that's if they're shy, that's fine. I'm always willing to help. I can't just let things. I I just can't let things burn down around me. I have to do something because once you do something, you're gonna feel great and you're gonna impact others, and they will appreciate that. Yeah, very well said. That's a great attitude and a great mindset. Uh, you know, especially for someone your age, I feel like that's you've got a great head on your shoulders and a lot of I think great things for the like you said, helping the community and things ahead in your life. So I appreciate uh, that insight. Yeah, anytime. All right. Well, uh, again, we've been speaking with Damian Para here on Eyes Free Sports, and I just want to thank you, Damian. Really appreciate the time. Really appreciated all of your, you know, stories and insight into to sports and everything that you've accomplished on that front and uh, also your career. So thanks so much uh, for joining us here on Eyes Free Sports. Thank you guys for listening. Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports.com.